Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. For over 175 years, four purposes have defined Hillsdale's mission, learning, character, faith, and freedom. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to our brothers and sisters at Hillsdale for their great sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hamas would have attacked Israel and stayed after Israel the way they have if Donald Trump were president. Of course not. If you look at look at what Biden's doing, is trying to get back into the Iran deal, right? Which was they're the, they're the sponsor of Hamas. You know, Biden's given money to the Palestinians. When you have a weak president, that's exactly what Biden is. He's weak. He, he's weak on dictators. He won't go stand up against them. And so this is what we're going to. This is what we're going to get. Yeah, so that was part of my conversation with Florida Senator Rick Scott yesterday. And so the big breaking news today is, oh, yippee, we have a ceasefire. Because you know that ceasefires with terrorists always end well. I mean, that story has a happy ending. No doubt about it. And that question that I asked Senator Scott is one that I've asked numerous experts over the past week plus. With universal answers. Of course, Hamas via Iran never would have attacked Israel if Donald Trump were president of the United States. That's what happens when you have weak leadership. That's what happens when you have a compromised president. That's what happens when what's up is down and what's down is up. Dive into that here momentarily. I am Brian Mudd, and for the great one, Mark Levin, host the Morning Rush, WJNO in West Palm Beach, the Brian Mudd Show as well on WIOD in Miami. You may find me at Brian Mudd Radio on Parlor and on Twitter, and it is always an honor and a pleasure to be here and have this opportunity with you. So I'm diving into my top three takeaways, and... Yeah, my first one is, what's up is down, and what's down is up. Let me ask you, how many times since Joe Biden became president, and how many times since Democrats took control of Congress, have you felt that what's up is down, and what's down is up? In fact, maybe the better question is if there's been a single day, has there been one where you've woken up, And you haven't felt that way about something. And that's because after decades, decades of discussions about the threat of socialism infiltrating the United States, well, now you have it actively represented by Democrats in Congress. It's there. It's because after decades of warning about the efforts to undermine our Constitution, starting with our First Amendment, you got big tech companies that have seized control of the Internet to do it. But primarily, it's because after decades of warning about what was and what wasn't happening inside of classrooms, 
ever since the creation of the Department of Education in 1980, we now have two generations of adults who've been indoctrinated. We have two generations of adults who've been propagandized. We have two generations of adults that have been taught that there are more than two genders. And pretty much all of your daily cultural absurdities are explained away by that one, too. What's up is down. What's down is up. But this isn't a general pontification. Because of all the absurdities, I really can't think of anything more absurd than siding with terrorists. I mean, seriously, think about this. By midday Wednesday, Israel had been subjected to over 3,000 rocket attacks by Hamas. Now imagine if Osama bin Laden's al-Qaeda had launched, at that point, over 3,000 missiles at us. First thing is, kind of hard to imagine, right? I mean, you have the news media and you have the politicos talk about Hamas and Israel like it's some kind of a boxing match. Okay, and now you go back to your corners. Can you even begin to imagine if we had thousands of missiles being lobbed at us? And then consider that Israel is a country barely larger in geography than the state of New Jersey. And then you consider this. At the time where you had over 3,000 Rockets fired into Israel by Hamas via Iran. The president of the United States gets on the phone. And you have President Biden reaching out to Prime Minister Netanyahu. And this is according to the White House accounts. This is what they were happy to say they did. To basically tell him to stand down. Think about that. We are under attack by Al-Qaeda. Thousands of rockets coming our way. And insert world leader here. Gets on the horn. Calls President of the United States and says, Hey, uh, you, you guys just you know, knock it off, all right? Don't retaliate. Don't look after your it, it, It's fine. I mean, you're the, the superior power anyway, right? Can you even imagine? I mean, that's the absurdity. Of how this is even being covered. How Hamas is even being given credibility to be deserving of anything akin to a ceasefire. They're terrorists. They're terrorists with a stated objective of eradicating Israel. Now think back when Ariel Sharon was still prime minister in Israel. He had a reporter that asked, well, why is it that You don't negotiate with Hamas. And Sharon said, they want us dead. What's there to negotiate about? You think that's changed? The only thing that has is, well, now Iran has even more influence. Now Iran, because of the Obama administration freeing up money, made sure that Iran was all loaded up with money and could power up Hamas to carry out their dirty work. So to recap, 
You have a terrorist organization which has a stated goal of the eradication of Israel that initiates missile attacks on Israel, follows through with thousands of rockets, and Israel is called on by President Biden to stand down. And now that it's happened, all the glorious ceasefire. I mean, that's a good thing, right? I mean, because that's going to end well. No doubt. The terrorists are, you know, Hamas, after all these years in Iran, they're going, hey, you know what? We really have rethought this whole, you know, end of Israel thing. And maybe not. Yeah, we feel a little bit differently now. I mean, are we stupid? Are we stupid? What's up is down. What's down is up. And with friends like Joe Biden, who the heck needs enemies? And ditto the news media who covers for his debacle of an administration. My gosh, it is the height of absurdity. It really is. Can you imagine if we had been told, hey, no, just let Osama bin Laden be. Just let the Taliban be. After 9-11, you realize that's a different version of a similar thing to what's happening here, right? It's just not the way that it's covered. It's stunning. And by the way, because of some of the things I mentioned before, like the education establishment and how it is that we got here, how it is that you actually have people who could be elected that think that this is acceptable, None of this absurdity really stops. I mean, really stops. Not until we retake control of Congress or the White House with something resembling sense and logic. But none of this actually stops until we retake control of the education system. Expanded school choice. The eradication of Common Core. Mandatory civics education. These are must. But the absurdity presented to us, undermining our Constitution, undermining our freedoms, undermining our values, that's happening right now. Just as is the threat to Israel from Hamas via Iran, ceasefire or no freaking ceasefire. And this policy, incidentally, is apparently what happens. When a member of the squad meets Joe Biden on a tarmac, notice that one day removed from good old Joe getting squared up in Dearborn by a member of the squad that during the speech he referred to as Rashid. One day after his showdown with Rashid on the tarmac, this is his policy. So dare I ask what's next? And dare we really question who's in charge? But is there really any doubt? Speaking of education, this was a pleasant surprise today. Bill Barr. And would the real Bill Barr please stand up? I think he did in Naples today. And it would have been nice if he had, you know, actually finished the job as attorney general. But consolation prize. On the education issue, he was awesome in Naples today. We're going to talk about that a little bit more coming up and also have a lot more in the second hour as we talk about 
what's happening with Lori Lightfoot in Chicago and institutionalized racism, systemic racism, what Bill Barr said is the real systemic racism. That and plenty more. I'm Brian Mudd, in for the great one. Mud Lovin. Are you worried about America's future? Times of trouble are full of reasons to despair. But those who built and have preserved our country didn't despair. And if we are going to do our part, we need to draw on the books, the history, and the ideas that gave our forefathers and mothers strength and inspiration. Hillsdale College was founded in 1844 to teach these things, and it teaches them still today. The great news is that we can all study these things along with Hillsdale College professors right in our homes. Through Hillsdale's free online courses, we can study the history of our civilization, the wisdom of ancient Judeo-Christian philosophers, and the writings of Shakespeare and Mark Twain. We can reacquaint ourselves with our Constitution. We can learn how the Constitution has been undermined, and more importantly, how it can be recovered. My friends, as we fight in defense of family, faith, and freedom, let us draw on the best of the past with Hillsdale's guidance to save the greatest nation on earth. Begin learning today at levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. They fired over 4,000 rockets into Israel, and every one of those rockets might as well have Joe Biden's name written on the side of it because it is his weakness, his appeasement, his moral relativism and ambiguity, his lack of backbone to stand up and stand with Israel that is causing this war. Yeah, I mean, that about says it. Not only did we have like a renaissance moment with Bill Barr today, but... I mean, we got vintage Ted Cruz working there, too. That was Cruz on Hannity last night. Look, it's not complicated. What did Reagan teach us? Peace through strength. It's really not complicated. Now, how did we achieve peace? Because we had more nukes than the Russians. Right? Now, you take a look at how we achieved peace. One of the greatest ironies of the Trump administration. And I remember talking about this on the trail in 2016. Brian Mudd in for the great one, Mark Levin, by the way. And you you go back to 2016, you remember all the time, oh my gosh, you, how could you ever tr- trust Trump with, with nukes? Oh, here's the thought. I mean, and again, this is where logic has to enter the equation somewhere along the way. If you really do think, yeah, you know what? That guy might just do it. Are you more or less inclined to screw with them. I mean, it really is just a matter of common sense, right? If you really think somebody is just loose and wild enough to, yeah, you know, go ahead and uh, fire off one of those nukes in this direction. Probably not going to provocate that person. So even if you bought into the BS narrative that Donald Trump couldn't be trusted, he was a threat to this country. It wasn't logical. It never added up. And that was evidenced over the course of four years. Every single conflict managed to de-escalate. De-escalate. You know, one of the most interesting dynamics, when you had Hamas initiate the attack against Israel, the comparisons, 
Well, this is the biggest escalation since 2014. Well, what was going on back in 2014? You had the Obama-Biden administration, dealings with China, dealings with Iran, and paying homage to terrorists. Remember, it was none other than Barack Obama himself who went into Egypt and called on the Muslim Brotherhood to rise up. Boy, they certainly did. They rose up all right. And uh, they ended up collaborating around ISIS pretty darn well. Along with a host of others who, who, in terms of Islamic terror organizations. So funny how in the earliest days of the Trump administration, he wipes out ISIS, which was turned into a huge thing to begin with because of the Obama-Biden administration. So he, he gets rid of that. Then you have the work that's being done relative to Russia, who he's supposed to be in cahoots with. So we're going to end up putting sanctions on Russia. You're not going to have your pipeline going to Europe and providing all that fuel because that gives you money, that gives you power and influence and the ability to carry out things that are not in our interest and our allies' interest. So did that cause a problem, a real escalation in violence and tension? No, it did not. You take a look at President Trump's efforts in China. Was it better or worse? Did we make progress? With all the, oh my gosh, the trade war, it's going to kill the economy. And oh my gosh, the trade war. I mean, China, imagine what they could do to us. Did it work out to our advantage or not? So the irony is, you go back and you take a look at a lot of what is transpiring in real time. It's almost like a resumption, seven years later, of where we were in 2014. A revert right back. Because we've had a reversion right back to the same policy by somebody who is part of that administration, by somebody who is compromised by China, by somebody who is in league with Russians and allows Iran to do what they do. Someone who listens to an anti-Israel, anti-Jewish member of the squad on the tarmac and turns around and turns that into policy the next day. That's who makes us less safe. So Cruz is right. Every one of those bombs from Hamas might as well have had Biden's name on them. Brian Mudd, in for the great one, Mark Levin. Are you worried about America's future? Times of trouble are full of reasons to despair. But those who built and have preserved our country didn't despair. And if we are going to do our part, we need to draw on the books, the history, and the ideas that gave our forefathers and mothers strength and inspiration. Hillsdale College was founded in 1844 to teach these things, and it teaches them still today. The great news is that we can all study these things, along with Hillsdale College professors, right in our homes. Through Hillsdale's free online courses, we can study the history of our civilization, the wisdom of ancient Judeo-Christian philosophers and the writings of Shakespeare and Mark Twain. 
We can reacquaint ourselves with our Constitution. We can learn how the Constitution has been undermined, and more importantly, how it can be recovered. My friends, as we fight in defense of family, faith, and freedom, let us draw on the best of the past with Hillsdale's guidance to save the greatest nation on earth. Begin learning today at levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. Levin, a champion of freedom. You know, you're one of the greatest champions of freedom in this country, if not in the English-speaking world, Mark. Call Mark at 877-381-3811. We continue to believe that our efforts as it relates to uh, bringing an end uh, or or preventing Iran from acquiring a nuclear weapon need to happen through diplomatic channels, uh, and those talks and engagements are continuing. (laughs) Yeah. I mean... Yes. Confidence, right? I mean, whoo! Biden administration has that thing nailed down. Complete confidence that Iran isn't still working on their nuclear program. And of course, that Iran nuclear program is not going to potentially, you know, I don't know, make its way to the Palestinians, make its way to Hamas. Like, I don't know, all these projectiles that have been, you know, lobbed in the direction of Israel over the past 11 days. Brian Mudd, and for the great one, Mark Levin, may follow me at Brian Mudd Radio on Parlor and Twitter. That, of course, was Jen Psaki of the Jen Psaki drinking game. The way that works, by the way, is, I mean, your preferred be- beverage would be sake, naturally. But uh, y- you have your preferred beverage, and every time she says circle back, well, you know what you do. And if you get to the end of one of her pr- pressers and you're not wasted, you've accomplished something. Oh, my gosh. I mean, obviously, no command, no control. The antithesis of Reagan and Trump's peace through strength. And look what happens. We're only four months into this. That's the scariest part. (laughs) I mean, every single day. We can make this complicated, but it doesn't need to be. Ask yourself a few questions here. If you're Hamas, who do you want to be president of the United States? Does Hamas want Donald Trump or Joe Biden to be president of the United States? If you're Mexican drug cartels and human human smugglers, who do you want? Who would you prefer as president of the United States? You want Biden or you want Trump? If you're Russia... Who do you want to be president of the United States? What about China? Four months in. Kind of remarkable. Kind of scary. Let's go to the phones. Lou, W-S-K-Y, in my home state of Florida. Lou, go. Hey, how are you tonight? All good. Okay. Well, listen, basically, in my opinion, I'm going to put it that way. The, the Hamas situation has the same goal as the radical Democrat Party in our country today. Everything that you're seeing piled on, whether it's a gas pipeline being shut down in the U.S., but it's okay for the Russians to have one, okay? Everything that they're doing, taxes, job losses, you run down the list. You've already run down it. This is all carefully planned, 
carefully orchestrated for a long time. It's Obama 3.0 with Susan Rice running the White House and all these same players from Merrick Garland, everyone. And here's the scary part coming up, Brian, is this so-called 9-11 style commission. Now, there's a clue to that. And that is the weaponization of the DOJ and the IC to go after American patriots. Anyone who donated or supported or voted for Donald Trump is going to be under the crosshairs. Well, you, you're right, most likely, in, the, in a very sad sense. And it's evidenced this way. The Obama White House did what? Did they not weaponize departments in ways that we later found out about? Did they not target with the IRS the Tea Party? We know they did. We know they targeted conservative groups with the Internal Revenue Service going back to 2010. So that was part of the Obama modus operandi. And and you're right as well about the concerns and the threats with the, the rest of it, because it is a continuation of the policy. It's why so many of the comparisons suddenly take us back to 2014. It's not a coincidence. Now, you know, the, the weaponization of the Department of Justice, the intelligence agencies, uh, we already know that they were compromised. <laughs> I mean, take a look at everything that transpired that created the entire bogus Trump-Russia collusion narrative. Take a look at everything that, I, by the way, John Durham does still exist. He is still a human on this planet, theoretically in Connecticut, and in theory, still working on his investigation. I mean, I want to believe I'm in like X-Files territory with Durham. I have no expectation, but I want to believe. So, I mean, who knows? Maybe he becomes a superhero and saves the day somehow. But we, yeah, you're, you're right, because we know they've already been doing it. They've done it before. They just have control again. There's one other dynamic that makes this worse. And it's not just that time has advanced. And technologies have changed, and, and we've got additional concerns. The bigger problem now is we've elected out-and-out socialists. It's no longer just, ha, Bernie Sanders in the Senate. You have out-and-out socialists running rampant in elected office in Congress, meeting the president of the United States on a tarmac, getting in his face for about eight minutes, And then the next day, having the president of the United States get in the horn with Israel and say, here's what you're going to do. Now, I don't know if Rashid, as Biden calls her, I don't know if Rashid got everything she wanted out of Biden. But how coincidental is it? So that's the bigger threat today over even what we faced before. Now you have out and out socialists. Now you have out-and-out anti-Semites that are holding elected office and are driving the agenda on the left. Let's go to all-time caller Jimmy. Jimmy in Brooklyn, go. Yes, uh, Lou, you did a great job there. She really seems to understand it, and you're doing a good job filling the the big shoes of uh, Mark Levin. You know, what happened, Czechoslovakia, 1948, okay, the communists wrote a book on it, a historian, and it described how the communists took over Czechoslovakia. It's a blueprint for what's happening today. It's an exact blueprint. 
Czechoslovakia had a coalition government like we have now, communist and non-communist. The communist in Czechoslovakia got control of the enforcement parts of the government, and they used it to wage war against the people until they had a total communist control of Czechoslovakia. So in Soviet publications, I have several from 68, 72, 80, up to 88, the Soviets said Czechoslovakia in 1948 is the model. So now the communists have the presidency, they have uh, most of the Congress and Senate, and they're using OSHA to go after business. They're using the Bureau of Land Management and the Department of the Interior to go after farmers and ranchers. They use the IRS to go after opposition. They're winning. It's, it's absolutely amazing. There's three major KGB front groups that operate around the world. One is the World Peace Council. So they're in America. It's worldwide. And the World Peace Council says America's military is a threat to world peace. The World Council of Churches, which is worldwide, says America's military is a sin. The World Health Organization says America's military is a threat to world health. This is operating at a huge level. They got the students. They got the schools. Uh, oh, Biden. Biden was put in office by a KGB front group, Council for a Livable World, which is a spinoff of the tax-exempt KGB front group Institute for Policy Studies. So foreign enemy-connected groups actually shape opinion, beliefs, and policy in America, the same way they did under President Roosevelt, when Roosevelt had the Lend-Lease program, where we overarmed the Soviets, oversupplied them, and helped them take over Eastern Europe and China. So when people say that Biden is the second coming of Roosevelt, that's supposed to sound good, but it's actually a clue what, what Biden's doing. We are in a huge mess. America has never been in the danger we're in now. Global warming, right? Systemic racism, white supremacy. The threat is global Marxing. The threat is systemic Marxism, and the threat is Marxist supremacy. It's not woke. And the tactics are straight out of rules for radicals. We are fortunate to have you, Jimmy. May God bless you. Thank you for uh, for doing what you do and for always reaching out, adding so much to the conversation. That particular note, The Great Ones' next book, it's on its way. You can pre-order it right now. American Marxism. Pre-order on Amazon. Comes out July 13th. Again, Levin's next book, American Marxism. July 13th. Pre-order it right now. Amazon.com. I wish there were a way to you know, put on rose-colored glasses here, but there really isn't. And it was, you know, what Jimmy's talking about. The question then becomes, okay, what do you do? Well, the first thing you have to do is try to stop the bleeding, right? I mean, when you have, when you know you've got a massive wound that is serious enough, it could kill you. What do you got? You got to stop the bleeding, okay? Before we're talking about surgery, before we're talking about the bigger stuff. So the first thing is we got to take control of our education system again. That's the only way this thing begins to change. And the problem we run into if we punt on that is every day that gets away from us, every year that gets away from us, this country is that much further down the road of being gone. It's back to what I was talking about in my open. 
we now have two generations of adults that have been indoctrinated, that think what's happening now makes sense. People that believe that there are more than two genders and that you're insensitive and, and that you're a bigot if you don't. If we don't begin to put in motion principles that make a difference sooner rather than later, and this is where it feels overwhelming because you're listening, okay, well, how the heck do I do that? Well, my saying of last year during the pandemic, I mean, it's been something I've said throughout the course of my career, but certainly the pandemic brought this home in a meaningful way is that every election has a consequence, and it's often those that happen closest to home, that has the biggest impact in your daily life. Do you know who represents you on the school board? Do you know the players in your school district? Are you active there? Do you try to advocate for change? See, local government, that's where it's got to start. And that's where you have the best opportunity of making a difference. It's also where voter turnout is the lowest as well. And if you get people informed and engaged around you can actually move the needle the quickest. From there, you begin to work on education. You take it to the next step, right? And I got the midterms next year. And from there, you work on the presidency. But it's baby steps, and it starts closest to home, what you have the most control over anyway. That's where we've got to begin to take this thing back. And it's also why you can't give up, no matter what they say, on election integrity. We have a little more time later in the show. I'm going to come back to some points on election integrity that I talked at length about late last year. We've had a few states, right? I mean, we've had Georgia, although they allowed themselves to be backed into a corner because Brian Kemp still doesn't know how to lead effectively, even though he signed the law, thankfully. Election integrity in Georgia. Texas and my state of Florida. You notice they what they tried to do to Florida, right? I mean, they tried to paint us like we're you know, the, the racist, bigoted, homophobes, all that stuff, too whatever, on, on the elections. Did that work? No. Ron DeSantis isn't a pushover. He's a leader, and that's how you move beyond this stuff, too. It's why we also need good leaders that not only will make this stuff happen at the local level, will make this stuff happen at our state level, but will own it and lead on it and win with it. Brian Mudd, in for the great one. Mud love in. Are you worried about America's future? Times of trouble are full of reasons to despair. But those who built and have preserved our country didn't despair. And if we are going to do our part, we need to draw on the books, the history, and the ideas that gave our forefathers and mothers strength and inspiration. Hillsdale College was founded in 1844 to teach these things, and it teaches them still today. The great news is that we can all study these things, along with Hillsdale College professors, right in our homes. Through Hillsdale's free online courses, we can study the history of our civilization, the wisdom of ancient Judeo-Christian philosophers, and the writings of Shakespeare and Mark Twain. We can reacquaint ourselves with our Constitution. We can learn how the Constitution has been undermined, and more importantly, how it can be recovered. My friends, as we fight in defense of family, faith, and freedom, let us draw on the best of the past with Hillsdale's guidance to save the greatest nation on earth. Begin learning today at levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com.
approach here and our strategic approach here is to continue to communicate directly, stay closely uh, uh, inter interlocked uh, with the Israelis, with partners on the ground, to do everything we can to bring an end to the conflict. Yeah. Jen Psaki of the uh, Jen Psaki drinking game there. That is clear strategy. Highly effective, too. And we have the big ceasefire, right? That was the big breaking news today. So that after you had Joe Biden stared down by the congresswoman he refers to as Rashid on the tarmac for eight minutes. Well, the next day he calls up uh, Benjamin Netanyahu and says, hey, yeah, stand down. So, I mean, great strategy. And apparently it's working. We've got Eli north of the border, Canada calling uh, from Toronto. Eli, you got an update on the so-called ceasefire? Yes. Yes. So the, red, uh, the, the reason up for red alert, and I have uh, my sister in Israel, actually, and even though they said there is a ceasefire at 2 o'clock uh, local time, they still send in missiles, about 200 of them so far. And not only that, 40 years ago, Menachem Begin actually showed the bird, showed the middle finger to, to Biden and told him, I am not a Jew who is afraid, and if you want, you can shove your money up your you-know-what. And he told him basically to flip off because the Jews will not go for another Holocaust. Now, if the so-called uh, today's American government wants to settle all these issues, they're welcome to go to Gaza and actually deal with it. I appreciate the call and the update, the perspective as well. And, you know, if word gets out, that would be the news, right? It's only 200 missiles. Oh, okay. Well, you know, it was a de-escalation during the ceasefire. It's a winding down. Again, this coverage, the way it's being portrayed. Imagine for a moment that we are over 4,000 missiles into an attack. The United States. Only remember, we, the United States, are actually a country the size of the geography of about New Jersey. So it's really all of us in New Jersey. We've been knocked by 4,000 plus missiles. The president of the United States calls up and says, yeah, knock it off. And then after this so-called ceasefire, you have violence that continues. What exactly is it that you're supposed to do? Here's one of the other issues that comes into play here. What do you think is being learned? Do you not think that Iran and enemies of Israel are taking a look at the vulnerabilities in the Iron Dome? How perhaps they could overwhelm it? How they might be able to penetrate it? Do you not think this also could be a test of Israeli defenses? But ceasefire. Brian Mudd in for the great one, Mark Levin. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. The re 
real issue of systemic racism in our country, which is our public school system in the inner cities, where we've relegated inner city school children to these failing schools, depriving them of a future, depriving them of opportunity. That's the system of systemic racism. President Obama waltzes into Washington and rolls his two daughters in the most exclusive private school there, Sidwell Friends, and one of his earliest acts is to terminate a broadly supported and bipartisan program in the District of Columbia that provided scholarships to inner city kids to go to parochial school. Now, why is that? Why is that? Is it not because informed people empowered people, people that realize the opportunity that the United States of America and that our Constitution, that it provides, they can't be controlled. It's always been the foundation, education. That's why Bill Barr, earlier today, that was at a stop in Naples, said what he did, and knocked it out of the park. In today's society, systemic racism happens in the classroom. That's where it starts. It didn't start with the Constitution. It didn't start with anything associated with the country that has provided more opportunity and more upward mobility and more wealth for every minority group than any other place on the planet. It certainly isn't the system that allowed for record low unemployment rates for every minority group prior to the pandemic and record high wages for every minority group prior to the pandemic. See, for everybody always called Donald Trump a racist, the real concern they had was that his policies were working. And that minorities were realizing the American dream. Because that point, they can't be controlled. And what happened? Well, you saw in the election, every minority group last year break in larger numbers for President Trump than they had in 2016. Ironically, white men were the ones that went the other way. Even more women voted for Trump. White men, who are the bad people in society, especially if you're Lori Lightfoot. Talk about that here momentarily. I am Brian Mudd, in for the great one, Mark Levin. I host the Morning Rush, WJNO in West Palm Beach, the Brian Mudd Show on WIOD in Miami. It is truly an honor and a pleasure to be here with you, and uh, you may follow me on Parlor and Twitter at Brian Mud Radio. Now, in the first hour, talked about my top takeaway coming in today being what's up is down and what's down is up. We talked about Biden, his policies, how America is demonstrably less safe, how the world is demonstrably less safe, how if you asked an honest person and received an honest answer, you would know that Hamas 
would rather Joe Biden be president than Donald Trump. You would know that the Mexican drug cartels and the human smugglers would rather have Joe Biden president than Donald Trump. You would know that Russia, that just got their pipeline back online with Europe under Biden, you would know that they would prefer Joe Biden to be president rather than Donald Trump. And you damn well better believe that if you're China, you are thrilled Joe Biden is president of the United States. You can't find an enemy of this country. You can't find a problem area in the world that isn't happier that Joe Biden is president of the United States. That is how screwed up this is. What's up is down. What's down is up. But also education. What I pointed out is that it all starts in the classroom. And the reason why we're as screwed up as we are as a country right now is because we have two generations of adults that have been raised on the Department of Education. Remember, the Department of Education only came into play in 1980. So at this point, you have two generations of adults that have lived under the indoctrination, the propaganda, the type of policies that lead the education establishment to teach that there are more than two genders. The people that create the Demi Lovato phenomenon in our society. So, on the note about education, this is what Bill Barr had to say. You heard the clip. I want to focus on this again. The real issue of systemic racism is our public school system in the inner cities. We've relegated inner city school children to these failing schools, depriving them of a future, depriving them of opportunity. That's the system of systemic racism. Think about this. Why is it that the teachers' unions oppose school choice at every turn? When you have school choice, school vouchers, statistically, who benefits the most? Well, in my home state of Florida, we have the largest school choice program in the country. And guess what? 72% of those who use school vouchers, who use the school choice program in Florida, 72% are minorities. Around every turn, it is opposed by the teachers' unions. In this state, every time it's tried across the country. Why? Is it not that they need the status quo? And why is it that the status quo is literally the only thing the teachers' unions ever fight for. That along with trying to keep the schools closed as long as possible. Which, by the way, who did that only disproportionately impact? Minorities. All part of systemic racism. Of the teachers' unions. Systemic racism. Of school boards across this country. But systemic racism 
that was standardized by the incarnation of Jimmy Carter's Department of Education, which began to take hold in 1980. And so to really make a difference, what do you have to do? I talked about having to make a difference in your local community. Having to get engaged with your local school board. Taking control of the classrooms at home. That's where this conversation starts. And then you've got to work backwards. It's controlling what we can control. But you also have to fight for things like school choice in your state. It's worth fighting for. I just want you to think about this concept for a moment because in the grand scheme of things that just drive me bad crap crazy, and if I get into property taxes, I'll go off on a tangent, so I'll try to stay focused because, to me, it is the most anti-American tax there is. Do you ever truly own property if you have to pay tax or else your government takes it away from you? But I will digress no more. So when you talk about Paying taxes that for most Americans, primarily the schools are paid for at the roof over your head. Your schools get this money. And they provide you with no choice. But they will take your house if you don't pay them for the choice that they deny you. How screwed up is that? How truly anti-American is that concept? So if you treat it, and if everybody did, like your house, like the roof over your family's head, depended on it, let alone the future of this country, your education, I think there would be a different point of view. And this is an issue we can win on. And by winning, I'm talking about conservatives so often will focus on some big concepts that are worth focusing on and fighting for, but often Don't move the needle unless there's a big election cycle on the federal level. And then it's only a temporary pause in the bigger momentum towards progressivism. When you have, as I mentioned, 72% minorities in a state as large as Florida, they're the beneficiaries of school choice that want school choice. This is an issue that traditional Democrats in many minority groups identify with Republicans on. It happens to be the single most important issue. So spending time where it can be constructive, moving the needle, making a difference, it's something that you can do. It's one of the things I like to talk about. I never like to just throw out a bunch of crap and go, well, that sure sucks. I like to have solutions. And as bad as this problem is, there is a path forward. The question is if you want to do something about it. The contrary to that equation would be, I don't know, a Lori Lightfoot who embraces racism. But that's a whole other dynamic that is not specific to the education establishment, but it does certainly tie into my theme of what's up is down, what's down is up, and it certainly does tie into systemic racism. And we'll talk about that coming up. I'm Brian Mudd, in for the great one. Mudd, love in.
Over 2,000 of you, my listeners, made the switch from overpriced wireless carriers to Pure Talk over the past few months. We want the rest of you to join us and to see what we're talking about. If you're with AT&T and Verizon or T-Mobile, your family could save over $800 a year just by switching to Pure Talk. You get great coverage, you can keep your phone and your number, and you'll save a fortune. Pure Talk is the top-rated wireless company by Consumer Affairs with the absolute best consumer service team based right here in America. Does that sound good? Well, it gets better. Right now, get unlimited talk, text, and six gigs of data, just $30 a month. And if you go over on data, they don't charge you for it. They don't care. Go to puretalkusa.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast. Again, puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin, L-E-V-I-N Podcast. And when you do, you'll save 50% off your first month. That's puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin Podcast. Pure Talk USA, simply smarter wireless. All I say is, to my Republican friends, and I do have them, take back your party. This is the grand old party, the party that's done so much for our country. And quite frankly, many uh, Republicans have courageously withstood uh, uh, the, shall we say, assault on our democracy that has gone forth. Oh, you, you got the uh, old, and I do have them. <laughs> because I know that doesn't seem believable because I'm not very believable, but I, I do have them. Now, here's my token Republican friend. Ah, Nancy. Taking back a party, huh? Let me ask you. Are you the party of anti-Semites? Are you the party of Lori Lightfoot racism? Are you the party that denies Dr. King his dream? See, if somebody needs to take back their party, unless you really do embrace all of those things, it would be yours. I see that the Republican Party is doing just fine. There has been a reshuffling of the deck and House leadership. My governor in Florida, Ron DeSantis, is... At a Lincoln Day dinner in Pittsburgh tonight, I would say things are on track. Your party. Brian Mudd in for the great one, Mark Levin. Now, let's talk about Lori Lightfoot. Now, Bill Barr, in a speech earlier today in Naples, brilliant commentary, brilliant speech, said the real systemic racism in society public schools, and inner cities that deny those kids an opportunity, the opportunity that this country provides. And illustrated how it's been intentionally done. And that's how you end up with the disaster that the city of Chicago has become that elects a walking, talking disaster that happens to be a racist named Lori Lightfoot. So Lori Lightfoot, mayor of Chicago, yesterday tweets out this. It's a shame that in 2021, the City Hall press corps is overwhelmingly white in a city where more than half 
of this city identifies as black, Latino, AAPI, or Native American. Diversity and inclusion is imperative across all institutions, including media. I love this. Diversity and inclusion. In order to progress, we must change. This is exactly why I'm being intentional about about prioritizing media requests from POC reporters on the occasion of the two-year anniversary of my inauguration as mayor of this once great city. She said great city, but it was once great. Now, after that statement, she announced that she would no longer be doing one-on-one interviews with white reporters. But this is very inclusive, right? Because she did say that diversity and inclusion is imperative. That's why she's excluding anybody who's white. Other than that being patently racist. Now, forget your best and your brightest. Forget the people that are the most talented, that are, in theory, going to carry out the work of the press. You know, it's ironic because why is the press constitutionally protected? To hold people in power to account, right? That's the premise of the constitutional protections for press. So that's probably the real reason that she's scared of the current press corps in Chicago. I guess they were holding her a little too accountable. There's white people, you know. But where's Nancy Pelosi on this one? Where's Nancy Pelosi on the anti-Semites within her party that are calling Israel a terrorist? Now, it is outrageous. Somebody's party needs fixing. Brian Mudd in for the great one, Mark Levin. Mark Levin, speaking to the four out of five Americans who are literate at 877-381-3811. This week, the House passed... As you know, the COVID-19 Hate Crimes Act, a bipartisan, bicameral bill to combat the rising epidemic of anti-AAPI, Asian American Pacific Islander hate crimes. There you go. It's a good thing that she hasn't traveled any farther down the, uh, the pronoun path. I think she would not fare so well. And so we were talking about systemic racism. You had Bill Barr. Earlier today in Naples, uh, say that systemic racism does exist. It exists in the inner cities in public schools. Brian Mudd in for the great one, Mark Levin. First, I was talking about how education is absolutely the key. The only way we win in the end, the only way that this country, as it was founded with the principles that allow everybody opportunity, the only way that survives, the only way the republic can be kept is if we educate people about it. That's why the eradication of Common Core is a must. 
That's why you need mandatory civics education. That's why you as a parent need to be accountable. That's why you, as even if you don't have kids in school and you aren't a parent, still need to be engaged with your local school board and local school district that you're paying for, the roof over your head. All important stuff. All right, let's go to Kathy in Scranton, where my governor is actually closer to you tonight than he is to me in my home state of Florida. Kathy, good to have you. People, people who have influence or sway over our lives change our lives in such a way that we know not. And, and then when we discover after a while of what they've done to us, it's too late. So, therefore, we need to think ahead of time and read Mark Levin's book, America's, America's Marxism, because there is a reason. The people that want to have Joe Biden in power is George Soros, and he wants to rewrite our Constitution. And the way that it goes is that it's going to be all Marxism. And if we get our Mark Levin's book, America's Marxism, we will read about it, and we will learn more. And that is why we need pamphlets. We need people to teach us, because we know not this way. And that guy, Jimmy, that you had on, he was excellent, talking about Czechoslovakia. Jimmy's a rock star. Jimmy's a rock star. And by the way, well done. That American Marxism that she's referring to, The Great One's next book, going to be out July 13th. You can pre-order it right now on Amazon.com. Absolutely timely. Extremely important, as always, with The Great One. Now, a couple of notes. uh, And, you know, that's such a good point that she was making about Soros for a reason that maybe wasn't even realized. So the first thing is I'll, I'll take a step back here for a second. So I just kind of offered up the conversation because it really does, I think, put in perspective the bind we find ourselves in. If you're Hamas, who do you want to be president, Trump or Biden? If you're the Mexican drug cartels, if you're the human smugglers, who do you want to be president, Trump or Biden? If you're Russia, who do you want to be president? If you're China, add in there George Soros. If you're George Soros, who do you want to be president? Easy answer there, too. Now, why does this matter in the context of Soros, aside from the fact that, yes, he would love nothing more than to collapse the United States of America? How has Soros done it before? How has Soros been able to exact outcomes to radically transform governments? Well, the way that he made his money is the way that he went about doing it. These days, he's used his money to buy off politicians, to work into rounds, to come up and fund organizations like Media Matters, you name it. But he did it through collapsing currency. He did it by undermining the sovereignty of countries. Now, what are we doing in this country right now? Let me go down to something here. My notes, because I want to make sure I do not give you incorrect information. Okay, here we go. Forget taxing the top 1% or the rich more. 
You know how you hear about trillion dollar this and three trillion dollar that, and we've already had six trillion dollars that's been allocated by Congress. It's at some point, it's just numbers, right? And they lose you in it. And you realize that somewhere along the way, this is going to matter. But then the big lie, oh, but we're going to tax the rich and it'll never touch you. A little bit later, I'll talk more about how that doesn't work. But I'll give you one point right now. Forget taxing the rich more. Do you know what the entire earnings of the top 1% were last year? I mean, everything. So forget taxing. Let's just say you outright confiscated everything earned by the top 1%. You know what you come up with? $755 billion. Yeah, not even one of those trillions. Not one. Point is, there's not enough money. Even if you confiscated everything produced by the rich. And that's the point. The numbers already don't work. And what's happening? Why is it suddenly that inflation is like, holy crap. And not just the pipeline. With gas price. Why is it that everything, lumber prices, through the roof, insert Regular items here through the roof. You go to Home Depot, Lowe's, holy crap, right? What, what's happening here? Why is it everything seeming all at once? Why is inflation suddenly growing the fastest it has since 2008 when it was next to nowhere before? What are we doing? We're printing money like nobody's business. There's not enough money. And guess what? You no longer have China backstopping us the way they used to. Why? They want us to collapse. So all the countries that used to buy up all of our, all this money that we would you know, create out of thin air, all this debt, they're not even doing it anymore. So do you know who is? Federal Reserve. See, the number one factor for inflation right now is all this spending because the money doesn't exist. And no longer is the rest of the world footing the bill because our adversaries like China, they used to pick up a lion's share of that tab, no longer are. So George Soros, this is straight out of his handbook. But see, part of the education thing, they think you're stupid and they count on you being ignorant because they count on you having been educated by them. The public education system is such a farce that not only is the average high school graduate financially illiterate, the average college graduate is financially illiterate, which necessarily tells you that anymore the average teacher is financially illiterate. So that's how all of this can happen. And they can make it seem like there's cause and effect that isn't. Yeah, we're spending money we don't have. We're engaged in quantitative easing. The Federal Reserve is really kind of buying this up, which means that we're just printing money and then buying it back ourselves. And so necessarily our dollar is worth more or worth less than it used to be. Therefore, you pay more for everything. Two sides of stories, one side of facts. Let's go to Nick in New Jersey. Nick, go. Hello. Yeah, well, you were talking before about the education system, and I could share many of your complaints, but when you say that discrimination uh, and systemic racism started in the 80s with, uh, I mean, black students suffered far worse and earlier discrimination after 
uh, you know, slavery and during Jim Crow. So um, it's it's a much fuller picture than the imbalance one I think that you gave. Well, so let's take a step back on that. Um, You're, I think, conflating a couple of points. So I cited Bill Barr. Bill Barr earlier today said that systemic racism in our society today, today, is in the public school system and is in the inner cities. What I pointed out is that the public school system, we lost control of it with the creation of the Department of Education in 1980. That's when you had the standardization. That's when you suddenly had local school districts that had less control than they had ever had. That's when the federal government took the lion's share of the agenda. That's what paved the path for things like Common Core to get shoved down the throat. So that's what I'm referencing with the timeline of 1980. I won't deny what you're saying in terms of there having been racism throughout the education establishment earlier, most certainly. Yeah, thank you. Um, You know, I mean, I think that today in the education system, that's one aspect of systemic racism. There are others. Um, But, I mean, even, you know, in the the 60s with Jim Crow to force integration, I mean, the federal government stepped in and took, in many instances, a lion's share of responsibility and enforcement there. I mean, I just I just want to say finally that a lot of the parents who are raising kids these days and electing school board members and stuff, they were raised uh, also under discriminatory school practices like the ones of Jim Crow. So some parents still living today. So um, as long as it's clear that the systemic racism goes far beyond 1980, it's not just a Carter or Democrat thing. I appreciate your time. <laughs> well, yeah. So, again, two different points there. But, yes, uh, the problem, again, with having lost control of our schools generally, Department of Education, 80, systemic racism in education. Yes. I would agree. And Bill Barr, I think, is absolutely on point. Let's go to Frank in Jacksonville. Frank, go. Hey, how are you doing? Appreciate All you taking good. my call. Appreciate you listening. Um, I would like to say that, thank you. I'd like to say that I don't think there's systematic racism, at least since 1990. The reason I say that is, if you look at the percentage of people, all people that collect any kind of welfare from the Census Bureau reports, and I can give you uh, uh, peer-reviewed papers and uh things that I've collected from graduate school to back it up if you want it. It's 40% black, 40% white, and it hasn't changed uh, since at least 2016, okay? So, what I, and I understand that blacks are 13% of the population, but I think that uh, the disparity of poor and blacks is probably due to historically, slavery, Jim Crow, all of that. But once you look at 1990, it doesn't change. If the man had his thumb on the black man's neck, as the uh, colloquial expression goes, then you would see welfare rolls of blacks rise, but it stays the same. Likewise, if whites were affected by affirmative action and unable to get opportunity, you would see rolls of whites on welfare. Okay, Frank, you, you're you're making some some really interesting points, and there's some information that I'll have to back up some of what you said. But you hit on something that ex- is extremely important, 
as well. And that is where a lot of this began to fall apart. We talk about affirmative action. When you talk about the, the problems that we have seen post-Civil Rights Act, the single biggest issue you have is the disintegration of the family unit. Nowhere do you have higher divorce rates or single-parent families than with black families. Going back to policies that were put in place to incentivize on the line of welfare, along the line of I'm going to be careful the way I characterize it, but I'll simply say that it was incentivized in many ways. And I could give personal accounts where I know that it was utilized and some people that later regretted it. But it's an interesting point. I've got something to tie together with that coming up on the other side. Brian Mudd in for the great one. Mudd in. Over 2,000 of you, my listeners, made the switch from overpriced wireless carriers to Pure Talk over the past few months. We want the rest of you to join us and to see what we're talking about. If you're with AT&T and Verizon or T-Mobile, your family could save over $800 a year just by switching to Pure Talk. You get great coverage, you can keep your phone and your number, and you'll save a fortune. Pure Talk is the top-rated wireless company by Consumer Affairs with the absolute best consumer service team based right here in America. Does that sound good? Well, it gets better. Right now, get unlimited talk, text, and six gigs of data, just $30 a month. And if you go over on data, they don't charge you for it. They don't care. Go to puretalkusa.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast. Again, puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin, L-E-V-I-N Podcast. And when you do, you'll save 50% off your first month. That's puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin Podcast. Pure Talk USA, simply smarter wireless. an independent, transparent investigation, uh, and that needs to happen with the cooperation and data provided from the Chinese government. We don't have enough information at this point to make an assessment. That is uh, Jin Saki at the Jin Saki drinking game, and isn't it interesting, the lack of priority on actually figuring out the origins of COVID-19? You would think that something... That was communicated by the World Health Organization on January 14th, 2020. Might have come into greater focus or concern by some within this administration. Something along the lines of, hey, uh, this virus is not communicable. Something that maybe had the World Health Organization not been in league with China. Could have prevented the whole pandemic from happening. But now that you have... Devin Nunes releasing a report along with the Republicans and in House Intelligence showing that there is compelling evidence that indeed COVID-19 was started in a Wuhan lab, that indeed there were potentially 
financial ties to Fauci's National Institutes of Health. You would think that would matter. You just maybe be interesting. Except who does China want to be president? Joe Biden? Maybe, right? Got the right guy at the right time. And we're talking about race, systemic racism. Got a thought for you. What was Dr. King's dream? Was Dr. King's dream not that one day we would judge people based on the content of character rather than the color of one's skin? I want you to think about this. How often in today's society are we making sure that we point out differences? So you have Lori Lightfoot, mayor of Chicago. I am not going to do interviews with white journalists. Black Lives Matter. Tell me, is not even by name Black Lives Matter the antithesis of Dr. King's dream? You do realize that, right? By pointing out these superficial differences, it flies in the face of his dream. And then tell me, are race relations getting better or worse as we do more of this? And that's going to tie into some of the points I've got for you coming up. And uh, also remember, Life, Liberty, Levin this Sunday, 8 p.m. Eastern on the Fox News Channel. Be back with you, Brian Mudd, and for the great one, Mark Levin. Ladies and gentlemen, this final hour of the podcast is sponsored exclusively by AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we care about, faith, family, and freedom. Thank you for listening, and please support AMAC. And you can become a member at amac.us slash join. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. We put together all of the open source reporting that we could find, and it begins to tell a very clear picture of overwhelming evidence multiple reporters across multiple countries that talk about the origins of this virus and all signs point to the lab. That's all we really have to go on because our intelligence community once again has failed us. We're not sure that we've even got all the information and we're getting mixed signals from the Biden administration. God bless Devin Nunes. I mean, that man never gives up. Doesn't matter what the issue is. He's a fighter. He's down for the cause. He does the right thing. Ranking member House Intel committee and the Republicans produce a report that has significant evidence that points back to a Wuhan lab for the onset of COVID-19. You would think that'd be a bigger story given that, I don't know, the pandemic's been eh, slightly a big thing. But it's convenient how, once again, the most pervasive form of bias in news media is omission, as that interview with Sean Hannity last night seems to be about as far as that has gone in terms of media interest and covering things. Brian Mudd in for the great one, Mark Levin. I host the Morning Rush, WJNO in West Palm Beach, the Brian Mudd Show on WIOD in Miami. 
always an honor and a pleasure to be here with you. And you may follow me at Brian Mudd Radio on Parlor and on Twitter. My themes tonight. First, what's what's up is down and what's down is up. What's up is down and what's down is up. And how many times since Joe Biden became president and Democrats took control of Congress, how many times have you felt that way? Do you go a day where you don't have that type of feeling? Now, second takeaway today, Bill Barr, he's back on the biggest issue, education. In Naples earlier today, he said the real issue, quoting Bill Barr, the real issue of systemic racism is our public school system in the inner cities. We relegated inner city school children to these failing schools, depriving them of a future, depriving them of opportunity. That's the system of systemic racism. Then you take a look at the rest of this particular story. So you have the pandemic that has been used to carry out how many transformative ideas? How many freedoms did we cede? How many freedoms did we give up just like that in the name of a virus? Think about what's happening right now. Vaccine passports. What are HIPAA laws in this country? Does anybody have a right to your personal health care information? So what you literally have are federal agencies, as they put out recommendations that make no sense, The CDC changing their mask policy, not based on the science, because the science didn't change last week, just the CDC's mask policy. Often talk about the premise of the, if the premise of anything is false, anything built on it is too. Well, when you say you follow the science, and you dictate policy according to the science, and then you don't actually have a change in science, but your policy changes... Well, then you're just shown to be a hypocrite full of it, and that's why everybody else is confused. But beyond that, for the federal agencies to recommend that you should be vaccinated in order to do anything, you realize that is a violation of federal law. That's why in my home state of Florida, we already have passed a law that says in Florida, nobody can deny you service. On the basis of vaccination. In fact, nobody has a right to ask you if you've been vaccinated. Because they don't. Now, it happens to be the law in Florida, but it also happens to be your federal right. Your health care information. They're still playing the game. Even as lockdowns come down. They're still violating your rights. Because we seated them so easily. Because we seeded education. Because we haven't taught, learned, and had a solid foundation of civics. 
And if you don't have a solid foundation, it is real easy for that foundation to crack and turn on a dime. So now we have a virus with the House Intelligence Committee ranking member producing a comprehensive report saying, yes, there is significant evidence showing that this was developed in a Chinese lab in Wuhan. There is circumstantial evidence that funds from the National Institutes of Health, that's Team Fauci, that they contributed to this lab and what they were working on. And that we've been lied to, not just by China, not just by the World Health Organization, but our government agencies right along. But that's not newsworthy. That's not interesting because it's not helpful to continuing to erode away at your rights and your freedoms. Do not cave. Make anybody who tries to force you to show proof of vaccination. There are some employer considerations. That's different. But if somebody tries to deny you service on the basis of being vaccinated, introduce them to HIPAA laws and then introduce them to an attorney. Now, I'm back of all this in the but wait, there's more category. I had like Billy Joel on the brain. Because you think of everything that's going on all at once. So I had like, you know, we didn't start the fire on the brain. That's my third takeaway for today. You know, it was always burning since the world was turning. Cool fact, fun fact here. Did you know that in We Didn't Start the Fire, Billy Joel had 118 cultural and historical inflection points? 118 in that one song. That's talent. Piano man. But doesn't it feel like we're kind of like living all of them at once now? And then I was thinking about it. So I actually went back through the song and I took a look at the references. Listen to how many of these are relevant again today. Red China. North Korea, South Korea. Vaccine. Trouble in the Suez. Castro. Stranger in a strange land. I'm not going to explain that one. For some people, you have to do some digging. That'll explain a whole lot of things. Point where you get that reference. Moonshot. Palestine. Ayatollahs in Iran. Foreign debts. Now what's interesting is that at least 11 of Billy Joel's 118 references from 1988 are relevant again in real time. And those current references are only scratching the surface of what we're up against. I mean, you could have real-time additions like this. Biden's border crisis, pipeline, gas lines, high inflation back again, dependency over paychecks, lockdowns, defund police. The CDC makes no sense. Got the WHO that wants to run the show. You have racial riots that rule the streets. And then the, the same line would still apply that I can't take it anymore. That's probably what you feel. But it's like this. We all know the saying that those who don't know history are doomed to repeat it. Donald Trump's peace through strength that mirrored Ronald Reagan's has been replaced by our weakest president since Jimmy Carter and voila. We didn't start the fire, but the country and this world 
is demonstrably a less safe place today. Your cost of living is rapidly rising because Joe Biden is the president of the United States. It is a fact. It isn't even able to be disputed. But I mean, thank God, no more Trump tweets, right? I mean, congratulations, because on this note, the dumbing down of this country by the education establishment has been completed. Speaking of the Trump tweets and the whole Hamas situation, I found this to be interesting recently, and even still in real time. This happened, what, a few days ago now? So, Vina Malik still has a Twitter account. Donald Trump doesn't. Now, if you don't know who Vina Malik is, it's okay. But you're about to, about to figure some things out. So, on back of Hamas's terror attacks in Israel came Pakistani actress Vina Malik. She tweeted this to her 1.2 million followers. She cited Adolf Hitler. She tweeted, I would have killed all the Jews in the world, but I kept some to show the world why I killed them. Again, Vina Malik still has a Twitter account. Donald Trump doesn't. Any questions? Brian Mudd in for the great one. Mudd Lovin. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead, A-M-A-C dot U-S. We've compiled this report. I think it's pretty clear. We've laid out 25 clear questions to the administration. If they answer them, we might begin to get to the bottom of where this virus originated from. Yeah, but I mean, why would we want to do that? I mean, certainly Joe Biden would want to get to the bottom of matters in China, right? He's not compromised. Hunter's not compromised. Who wouldn't want real answers? about the origins of COVID-19. So naturally, going to take this intelligence report and be very diligent, getting to the bottom of things quickly. Plus, we would want to prevent something like this from happening again, right? Brian Mudd in for the great one, Mark Levin. Now, one of the crises that we're dealing with 
that we've referenced, divisions over race. One of my great annoyances in life is the superficial separation of people. I mean, call me, I don't know, old school or, or call me crazy. But I actually think that Dr. King made a lot of sense. So rather than platitudes or what, I actually studied and I really thought about his work. And over the years, as part of my career, learned more from members of the King family. And it's interesting what Dr. King's dream was. What we're doing today. And how right he was. So again, Dr. King's dream was what? One day we would judge people based on the content of character rather than the color of one's skin. You think about the implications of the inverse of that dream. What happens the more that we focus in our society on superficial differences? What happens the more we focus on skin color? And then I want you to think to yourself specifically about what's changed since 2004. Okay, uh, there's a reason. But in 2004, no sports leagues, no corporations that I'm aware of, were engaged in racial social justice, were they? Black Lives Matter, that didn't exist, did it? Yet according to Gallup, they studied race relations starting in 2004 ongoing. According to Gallup, in 2004, 68% of blacks and 74% of whites thought race relations were good in this country. I mean, not awesome, but solid, solid majorities. Well over two-thirds of everybody thought that race relations were good. Now consider today, with all of our woke corporations... All of these sports leagues engaged in the racial social justice game. Groups like Black Lives Matter on the scene. Race relations are now only good, according to 36% of blacks and 46% of whites. Funny what's happened. Funny what's happened. The more our society has defiled Dr. King's dream. Every time you have another organization, every time you have another network, every time you have another sellout, black this, Latinx that, all we're doing is defying Dr. King's dream. All we're doing is pointing out superficial differences. And all it's doing is dividing us more. And all those stinking hypocrites do is pretend and hide behind Dr. King. You're frauds. You're a sham. You're the antithesis of what he stood for. And you happen to be the ones dividing the country. We've got evidence of it right here. I had a caller last hour talking about 
some of the timelines and some of the numbers that play into it. This in particular, I found to be the most instructive because it's just public opinion ongoing by us. Again, 2004, 68% of blacks, 74% of whites. Race relations, yeah, they're good. Today, everything that we have going on, 36% of blacks, 46% of whites. And by the way, all it's been doing is dropping. So yeah, I seriously doubt Americans are significantly more prejudiced or racist than 17 years ago. I do think we're far more exploited than we were 17 years ago. Look for superficial differences. You're going to find them. Focus on them. Y'all have lost focus on the person. Brian Mudd in for the great one, Mark Levin. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. Making sure the land of the free and the home of the brave stays that way. Dial Mark Levin now at 877-381-3811. So the same company that's going to require you to wear a sticker to work is opposed to having people show ID to... Yeah, that's Jim Jordan on Amazon. Jim Jordan on Fox News primetime last night. So yes, if you haven't heard this, so Amazon is going to put the scarlet letter on people. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry. They're going to have stickers for people to be evidence to be vaccinated, to return to work. No kidding. And as Jim points out, the priorities of said company. Again, in this culture, in our society, how quickly we've allowed things to change. Something as basic as our healthcare information, federally protected. Now we're going to wear stickers to go to work. Or we're going to allow ourselves to be denied service unlawfully. It's pretty outrageous, but it's happening. Just like these woke companies have also contributed to the racial divide in this country that we were just talking about. Uh, Brian Mudd in for the great one, Mark Levin. And let's go to Giacomo in Columbia, South Carolina. Good to have you. Hey, good to be on the phone with you, my brother. How you doing? All good here. Thank you. Uh, thank you for the time. Appreciate it. <laughs> sure, sure. Hey, I'm calling because near and dear to my heart, uh, I am a black man. I know I don't sound like it, but I'm from Newark, New Jersey. 
okay, one of the most dangerous cities in America. And I love that story you were talking about earlier where, you know, I grew up in the, in the project. They didn't like to call it that way, but it was. And everybody in the building, about 100 families, there were, I think I remember two fathers. Everybody in every apartment in that building was on some sort of social service. And I said to myself over the years, like, you know what? Why? Uh, there were no incentives anybody to get up and go do anything positive. When UPS built a hub at Newark Airport, the first word I heard was, no, I ain't doing that slave labor. Like, you know, this is back in the 80s, so $9 an hour was a pretty decent wage back then. But I didn't have time. I was actually on my way, you know, going through high school. I went to prep school, as a matter of fact, the reason I speak the way that I do. And so I'm looking at what's happening right now, this media-fueled delusion that race relations are any worse today, 30 years after I graduated from high school, when we had the Howard Beach incident, we had the Bensonhurst incident where, you know, people actually were killed, and nobody made a cross national indictment of the police, of white people, of anything. I would say, hey, this happened to this black man. These people were responsible, and that's what we're going to deal with. So it's like I, I, I told this line every day as a member of the media as it is because, you know, when I speak up as a black conservative, like, oh, you're one of them. Like, yes, a man with a brain, a man who thinks independently of the hive mind. Good for you, and may God bless you. And uh, appreciate the, the the call and for you holding the line and doing what you do. You reminded me actually of Dr. Ben Carson in a couple respects, talking about you know the tough upbringing in the inner city. One of the real shames of the loss of President Trump on this particular topic is Dr. Ben Carson. Remember at the onset of the administration when. Trump nominated Dr. Carson to head HUD. You had the left cry out, no experience. What can he do? What does he know? And it's like, look, I grew up from one of the worst streets in Detroit and had to make it from there. I know what the challenges are. And I know the work that needs to be done in these communities. Dr. Carson's work and inner cities and opportunity zones was phenomenal. Phenomenal. There are so many people that are better off today because of Dr. Carson's work. Now, we lost that is a real shame. And opportunity zones are something that we, no matter what, should be focusing on going forward. It should be part of this conversation. I've talked a lot about education. Education is certainly at the epicenter of it. But you also have to have opportunity beyond just the classroom. And bringing people out of poverty, putting a focus on the family, putting a focus on opportunity, getting young minority kids away from gang members, giving them hope and an opportunity to look forward to. Huge, huge. All right, let's go to Joe, Champaign, Illinois. Joe, go. Hey, uh, Brian. Uh, I was calling and you were talking about HIPAA laws uh, earlier. And um, it just made me think of, uh, so 
I've, uh, I'm a music goer. Uh, I mean, I used to be, I guess, and uh, I love music festivals and I'm from Illinois, right? And there's, there's a lot of music festivals in Chicago. There's one called Pitchfork and uh, it's one of my favorites. And I was just about to buy a ticket and I see you need to have a proof of a vaccine or a negative test within 24 hours, like proof of it. And me personally, I, um, well, I'm 30 years old, I'm healthy, and I believe I had COVID because I hadn't been sick since 2015. Um, so I, I, it was very unusual. So I was, I was like, if this is anything, it must be COVID. It was so weird. And, uh, you know, I've never been tested. I, I'm kind of like, I don't, I don't really have faith in all this stuff. And I think me personally, I really take care of myself, you know, I think I have a good immune system, so I'm not particularly worried. So, you know, to see that they require this, I'm like, well, that's very unfortunate because I was about to buy a three-day pass. Like, as soon as I saw that they were actually going to host this, I had this, like, in, this urge because, you know, I love live music. Sure. And it, it's based on Chicago's um rules or something and i'm like well that seems you know absurd but on top of on top of having proof of this stuff you have to wear a mask regardless the entire time unless you're eating or drinking and then on top of that they moved the dates it would typically be held in july and now it's being held in september and based on the science you know covid doesn't survive in heat as well so it seems arbitrary or contradictory to move it ah. into like a colder month. Well, you just you just nailed it, the arbitrary part. And look, I you know, maybe you've been done a favor uh, the way that they're playing this thing by not going to it potentially. Here's the most important part of this conversation. It's your right to choose as an informed person not to get vaccinated if you don't want to. Now. Myself, and I'm a pragmatist, I am fully vaccinated. But if you aren't, if you choose not to be, that's nobody's business but yours. And your healthcare information is federally protected. Now, the problem you get into, and again, this is why in Florida we actually passed a law, what you're describing can't happen. You cannot be denied service in the state of Florida over vaccination. So, any festival, any whatever, they cannot do that. We have actually one that started just today called the South Beach Food and Wine Festival. They tried to play that game. It's a no-go, not legal. The challenge you get into, and there certainly could be a legal case brought, is you have to legally challenge. And who is going to do that? And how much money is that going to cost? And will you even get to a decision that would be satisfactory in time for it to make a difference? These are the challenges, and governments know that. That's how they consistently chip away and erode away at your rights. Let's go to Craig in Rapids, Iowa. Uh, Craig, go. Hey, Brian. Good to talk to you. I just wanted to um, relay my point of view on why I think race relations and everything are declining. And it hit me driving in my car actually listening to Sean Hannity soon after the Sandy Hook event. I forget what year that was. And... Uh, 2017. The problem with that is that, okay, um, 
it's not that there's too many guns in society. It's too little God. And the Democrat Party is doing everything yeah. they can to remove the God, as I believe it, from our society. And that's that's contributing to these race uh, relations issues and why it's cut in half, basically. So I just wanted to relay that to you and hear your thoughts. May God bless you. I uh, could not agree with you more. The removal of God from aspects of our society, that has been front and center of an agenda for quite some time. It actually ties into the education piece that I was talking about. So if you go back, of course, you had the United States Supreme Court rule that, well, God was not supposed to be in the classroom, right? Not in the public school system. So you get that Supreme Court ruling in the 60s. Now, when you didn't have centralization of education across the country, you had a lot of schools, a lot of schools that didn't play that game. For example, I went to school all in the South growing up, starting in Knoxville, Tennessee, and spent most of my time growing up in suburban Atlanta. Even in public schools, God was in the classroom, even though it had been, this we're talking, you know, 80s. So right after the Department of Education, but over the course of time, the Department of Education saw to it that that was removed. The teachers unions saw to it that it was removed. And so you had really the Department of Education that played the role in seeing to it that God would be removed from the classroom. Now, Harvard, they did a study a few years back on those that have faith and mental health outcomes. Notice how we didn't used to have all these school shootings. You didn't used to have all the violence in the classroom. You might have a playground fight, and that was the extent of things, right? But then you see the rise of violence, especially starting in the 90s, really taking off from there. Now, coincidence with the timing of the Department of Education and the beginning of the real removal of God in the classroom? And the Harvard study, what they found is, and I don't have the hard numbers right in front of me right now, but it was somewhere on the order of 30 to 40 percent better outcomes with kids that believed in God by the time they were 20. Kids that went to church or were part of you know, some type of faith that they identified with, they were even bigger beneficiaries. Those that were the most likely to have mental health issues, those that were the most likely to be violent, those that were most likely to already have a criminal record, were those who did not believe in God. Also, back in 1980, somewhere less than 10% of people in this country did not believe in God. Now we're closing in on numbers that are commonly around 30%. All that's happened since we've removed God from the classroom is that you have more people that have faith in nothing. You have worse mental health outcomes, more violence in the classrooms, more violence in society, and... uh, All the other goodies that have come along with our education establishment. Brian Mudd in for the great one. Mudd Lovin'.
AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest-growing organizations in America, now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. you look at this building, there's a chamber for the House and a chamber for the Senate. But apparently, COVID works differently in both chambers. Because in the Senate, you don't wear a mask. In the House, you have to wear a mask. The only difference is the Speaker. She doesn't want to abide by the CDC rules. She actually wants to have greater control. Kevin McCarthy there, House Minority Leader. And yes, it's about control. And there isn't any consistency anyway. Because, again, when it came to the CDC's policy, and this has been so true, it's been part of their big lie all throughout the pandemic, and they being the left. We follow the science. We follow the No, you don't. The science didn't change. Nothing changed scientifically last week. The CDC changed their policy. Now, I'm sure it had nothing to do with wag the dog because of all these Biden crises. But that's the only thing that changed. And that even men on the left are going, whatever do we do here? Which way is up? We are so confused. Because they'd actually convinced themselves, some of them, that pay attention to, like, the science. And they're looking at studies and things. Well, hold on, they changed here. But the CDC, they changed their mask policies. So now the people that are, like, scared turtles in their corner and want to be that way for the rest of their lives, they're going, but hold on. The science didn't change. So what, what, what do we do? The whole thing's about control. And that's why it's important to know your history, know the truth, take back education, starting at home within your own school district. While you're at it, pre-order Mark's new book, American Marxism. It is out July 13th. Pre-order it today. Do it right now at Amazon.com. Again, American Marxism by the great one. Also, by the way, remember, Life, Liberty, Levin this Sunday, 8 o'clock Eastern, the Fox News Channel. Of course, you can always follow the Mark Levin Show at Mark Levin Show on Parlor and Rumble. Now, something else that is about control is money. And I referenced one of these uh, points earlier, and I want to leave you with this. Nowhere more pervasive is the controlling of you than through your finances. That's being done in the manipulation by trying to send out all these free puppies and free lollipops, and here's money. 
even though that we will all be paying it back with interest. Along with, you know, these these new checks are going to be going out to to families. It's all part of the effort to control because Democrats have long known that if you can get people relying on government, many people will choose to stay relying on government. But for the rest of us, and for those that really do try to get ahead, it will be you. And I'm talking about raising taxes if President Biden has his way. One thing I want to point out is, remember when we first started hearing about his proposed tax increases? He said, it's just going to be those earning over $1 million per year. The next time he talked about it, it was only going to be the top 1%. Those are the people earning over 581000 Most recently, it's 400000 per year. Well, you have more money being spent than has been earned by the top 20% of Americans. It will be you, no matter who you are. Two sides of stories, one side of facts. Thank you. Always a pleasure to be here with you. Brian Mudd, in for the great one, Mark Levin.